0: The book of Matthew chapter nine and also the book of Mark chapter five. Praise the Lord! I'm excited about the possibility of this service. I'm excited about what God can do here today. And uh, there's there's two ingredients. I heard a man preach this a long time ago, and it's true. There's two ingredients that you need for a miracle. You only need two things. One, is you have to have humanity with a need, which we have. Two, you have to have God with power, which we have. So there's no telling what's going to happen in this service today. Amen. In the name of Jesus, I know that God has a plan and a purpose this morning. Praise the Lord. If you will look at Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 20, it's a Scripture reading that we all are very familiar with, a story that we all have heard many times. But hopefully this morning, by the time that this message is over, we'll have a new appreciation for this story. The Bible says, And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And also I want to read the same story from the book of Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 25. The Bible says, In a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched His garment. For she said, If I may but touch His clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in Himself that virtue had gone out of Him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her who had done this uh, thing. But the woman, fearing, trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. I want to preach to you this morning. I will endeavor to do my best not to take a long time. I understand it's a holiday. But if you will will humor me or give me an opportunity for the next little while to speak to you the Word of God, I will try to be brief if you'll get the holiday off your mind. And let's get what Jesus wants to do in this place, center and foremost in our minds this morning. I want to talk to you for just a few moments this morning, simply focal point focal point. I want to talk to you about that this morning. Let's ask God one more time for His blessing on the remainder of this service. Heavenly Father, we come before you today humbly asking for the anointing of the Holy Ghost on this congregation of people. We ask God that our hearts and our minds would be open to receive the Word of God, that it would impact our life, that it would change our mind, God, that it would change our destiny. God, that it would impact our future to the point that, God, when we leave this place today, that we are not the same person we were when we walked in, but, God, life would be getting better, that life would improve, that our circumstance, God, would improve, that our situation would get better, that, God, You would become the focal point of our lives today. We pray in Jesus' name that You would bless and anoint the lips of clay to speak the truth of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, we pray. I pray today for the Spirit of faith for the power of the Holy Ghost to be released in this building. And I pray in the name of Jesus, amen. Everybody clap your hands one more time (laughs) to the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated this morning in the name of Jesus. Webster's Dictionary defines focal point. The word focal point, it is made up of two different words. One of them being focus. The other one is a point or a dot or a space or uh, on a line you have a a point on a line. that's unique. But Merriam-Webster's dictionary combining this word focal point uh, defines it this way. It is a center of activity. It is the center of interest or the center of attention. In other words, when you have a focal point, it is where your interest is at. It is where your attention is focused. It's where your activity uh, is focused. Everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you are uh, is based and, 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 and uh, is dictated by your focal point. It tells you, your focal point tells you uh, how you're going to act, how you're going to live, how you're going to spend your money. So the focal point is a part of our lives and everybody, whether you uh, like it or not and whether uh, or not you're good at multitasking, you have a central focus point. Everybody does. And in fact, most of us have more than one. If you can live in a stressful society and a stressful life, there's a lot of focus points in our lives. But I want to talk to you tonight about a focal point. Sometimes in our, our focus uh we 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 are focused, we say we are we we have this direction that we want to go this focus that our life is, is is on and and we're not really there though our we say we have something that we really don't have you say I'm I'm focused on my family but the the actions that you have doesn't really dictate or doesn't really prove uh that you're focused on your family I've told uh Uh, The group at Palmetto Springs so many times are sick of hearing it, that I don't care what you tell me you are, I want to see it. Okay, because you can tell me I am a good Christian, but I want to see the fruit of Christianity. That's what tells me that you're a good Christian or not. It's much the same way of the story that Brother Murphy told a couple of weeks ago about a man who went on a trip uh, out of state. Brother Murphy and a group of people went and met a man that was just cussing up a storm and and all that. When he found out he pastored a church, he said, well, I'm a good Christian at home. But Christianity, is it's, it's not something you just say you are. It's something you are, and it should uh, it should manifest itself. And, and so oftentimes, we, we say we have a focus that we really don't have. A little humorous story. There was a lady of very high society. She went to an art museum in the city. And she was standing there. She looked over at one of the Uh, curators of the art museum and said dear fellow I've never seen this painting before I find the image shallow and rather crude in appearance what do you call this the curator looked at her and without giving very much expression or very much emotion he said ma'am that is a mirror that you're looking at She said she was there to focus on the paintings. But you see, her focus wasn't really where she said it was. Her her focus wasn't totally where where she thought it was supposed to be. And then sometimes in focus, uh, we see things that we misunderstand. We think that we have a a clear view of what's going on in life. We think that we have everything... Zeroed in that we know where life's going, that we have it all mapped out, and, and I don't know how many of you have ever been down this road, but about the time you think you have God and life mapped out, something will happen. So we can sometimes get so caught up in focusing on the path that we forget the God that's walking with us down that path, and and so sometimes uh, sometimes we misunderstand what we're what we're focused on, and uh, there's a. A little boy named Alex one Sunday morning was standing in church and there was a very large plaque on the side of the church and he was standing there just staring at it. He was very focused, very intent, staring on this, at this plaque and there was American flags all over it and it was really pretty. And a little seven-year-old Alex was standing there looking at it and the pastor walked up to him and said, Good morning, pa- uh, Alex. And little Alex said, Good morning, Pastor. And He said, uh, Pastor, what is this? He said, well, son, it's a memorial plaque to all the young men and young women who have died in the service. Little Alex stood there and focused on it for a few more minutes, and then real soberly he asked the pastor, which service, the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock? <laughs> Misunderstanding what you're looking at. It's focus. I want to talk to you about this lady. She remains nameless in the word of God. We have to assume that she was a Jew. The Bible was usually very careful in telling us people that were not. So she at some level had a relationship with God. This lady at some, at some place had a relationship with God as being a Jew. She went to the tabernacle. She made her sacrifice every year. The year Day of atonement, her sins were rolled ahead by... The, the sacrificial lamb and by the sacrifice that the priest did. She, she, she served God. She lived for God. But there was a problem in this lady's life. For 12 years, she suffered with an issue of blood. For 12 years of her relationship with God, she suffered with a disease. She suffered with a problem in her body. And, and I don't want to be too graphic or too, uh, too gross here this morning... But most commentators believe it was probably a female problem. So she, had, she was not a young girl. She had probably had a little bit of age on her. And, and so and you look at her life and one day she's going along and things seem to be fine. Everything seems to be going along normal. And then all of a sudden this issue of blood shows up in her body and life takes a, a different path it takes a little detour from the way that she had it all mapped out in the way she had it figured out and i want to i want uh, to change kind of the situation a little bit if i can if you'll allow me this morning the bible says she had an issue of blood in leviticus 17 and le- 11 the bible says for the life of the flesh is in the blood The life of the flesh is in the blood. So for the remainder of this service, if you'll allow me, I'm just going to say the woman had an issue of life. She had an issue of life. And she couldn't deal with it anymore Something happened, and, and no doubt when it first started, she went through uh, the normal process and then she realized that something might be wrong and and the longer it went, the longer it lasted, the more she began to realize uh, that this was a problem that was not going to heal itself. Uh, it was not going to go away by itself. She began to deal with the issue of life uh, on her own. she began to deal with what was troubling her by herself and and after a while of even that, she began to to realize uh, that guess what, I can't fix this. Uh, So she did uh, what everybody else would do. She did what most normal people would do is she turned to a doctor. The Bible begins to tell us that she suffered at the hands of many physicians. She tried it all. I wonder sometimes why she didn't turn to God. She turned to the doctor. She turned to human knowledge. She turned to experience. She turned to wisdom. She turned to humanity. She turned to the world for help with her issue of life. Seems sometimes that people get in situations, the first thing we do is we turn to humanity for help who's in the same situation that we're in. She turned to humanity for help. She turned to imperfect people. She turned to people that were educated and maybe they were experienced, but uh, they began to give her things to do and they began to try to help her, but they couldn't do it. And the doctors uh, were sort of the people, and we all understand this, doctors are people that are supposed to help you, right? If you can't trust the doctor, then who can you trust? But the Bible says that she suffered at the hands of the doctors. She suffered at the hands of the people that were supposed to care for her. She suffered at the hands of the people that were supposed to help her. She suffered at the hands of people that were supposed to lift her up. uh, That were supposed to benefit her. That were supposed to encourage her. That was supposed to make everything better. That's who she suffered with. So now, on top of the issue of life that she already has, now starts piling suffering. You begin to see her situation that not only can I not help myself uh, in this issue of my life, uh, but now I'm starting to realize uh, that these people around here that are supposed to care for me can't help me. The people I'm supposed to depend upon, they can't help me. The people that I'm paying, they can't help me. It doesn't seem like anybody can help me with my issue. It's an issue of life that she was suffering and I know in my heart today that there are people that are sitting here this morning under the sound of my voice. Uh, Not only do you have an issue of life, uh, not only has life in its own ways been cruel, not only has life in its own ways caused problems, uh, but then the very people that you look to, the very people that you should have been able to trust, the very people that you should have been able to count on also added their suffering. They added their hurt on top of the issue that you already had. This lady continued with the issue of, of her body. and Now the suffering begins to pile up, pile up by physician after physician. She tries one thing, it doesn't work, so she goes to another doctor and only God knows what this poor lady suffered as a result of this condition in her body. And there's no telling... Only God knows the suffering that some in here today have gone through as a result and as at the, at the hands of other people. Life isn't fair in itself. Of itself. Life isn't nice in and of itself. And I'm not trying to be negative. Hopefully in just a moment we'll take a turn. But life in of itself is not fair. And then when you add upon it, when you add to it, the suffering that other people inflict on you. When you add to it the people that you should have been able to trust, the people that you should have cared for you, the people that should have loved you, the people that should have benefited your life, when they cause you suffering, when they cause you pain, no doubt the disappointment this lady faced was unbelievable. No doubt after doctor after doctor, she began to realize or began to think, what are these guys doing? They can't fix me either. And so now she stands here. The Bible says she spent everything she had. She had nothing left. She had spent, I believe she spent her money. She had spent her emotions. She had spent her joy. She had spent her peace. She had no... Uh, no peace of mind. There was no happiness. There was nothing in her life of benefit left to her. So now, not only does she have her suffering, not only does she have her issue, now she has nothing left in which to do this alone. She can't afford another doctor. She can't afford another friend. Now she has nothing. She's bankrupt emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Physically, she's bankrupt. She has nothing left. But yet she continues to turn to the world. She continues to turn to things for help. I want to tell you something interesting about issues of life real quick. You can't vacation from the issues of life. Now I'm not against vacations. I love them. And I hope everybody in here gets to take a bunch of them. But a vacation will help you with stress, but it won't get rid of the issues of life. I have seen more people go on more trips and come back to the same problems that they left. You know what they're doing? They're spending money. They're spending time. They're spending effort, but they're not getting any better. The camp won't fix it. I'm sorry to say I love them myself, but the camp won't fix it. A boat, I'd like to try it. But a boat won't fix it. The four-wheeler won't fix it, and the deer heads on the wall won't fix it. Neither will a golf course for some of you. You can spend all the money you want. You can buy anything you want. You can gain anything you want. It will not fix the issues of life. It cannot fix it. Money don't fix it. I hope all of you are the wealthiest people in the world. I hope you make more money than you can possibly imagine. But that cannot be your focal point. That cannot be your focal point. Pills don't fix it. Alcohol won't fix it. I'll even tell you this, and I'll go this far as to say, that backsliding won't fix it. You'll be surprised how many people think that life would be so much better if I could give up my relationship with God. If I could just backslide, Brother Merrill, if I could just get out from underneath the church and and nobody out there preaching and telling me how I should live and and what I should and shouldn't do and and nobody up there reminding me that God's looking at me and that God's watching me and, and that there's a heaven in my future. If I could get away from that, I could sure live so much better. That won't fix your issues of life either. You can spend it all, the money, your hope, your faith, joy, peace of mind. You can spend it all, you can try everything the world has to offer. Won't fix the issues of life. So now this woman finds herself in a crowd of people. Possibly I like to imagine her in the very back and she sees Jesus. She's heard about Jesus, this guy that's a miracle worker, this guy that's doing all of these great things, and she sees Jesus. In this crowd of people, and now she has a decision to make. Now she has to make a choice. I can stand here and I can take the issue of life, I can stand here and live with my bitterness. I can stand here and live with my loneliness and my depression. And I can stand here and I can live in misery and in pain. And I can stand here and I can continue to live like I I am and, and live bankrupt and live unhappy and live with no peace and no joy and live miserable and afraid. And I can live like this if I want to or I can get to Jesus. And so she decided to make Jesus her focal point. You have to understand that when you're going to walk through a crowd like that, it's easy to get bumped and turned around if you don't have a a place that you're focused on. All of you know, and if you've been in a crowd of people uh, big enough, if you have gone to Walmart on Christmas Eve, you know what I'm talking about. You have to look over there and say, oh, there's the toy department. And then you have to get kind of get focused on that, and you have to set your sights, and then you have to take off. If you don't, you're going to wind up in the tool department because you're going to get bumped around in the crowd. But she had to make a choice to leave the crowd, to leave the crowd. And so she begins to push. Pardon me, sir. Excuse me, ma'am. And no doubt there was people sitting there going, watch where you're going. Why are you bumping into me? But she had made Jesus her focal point. And she decided no longer am I going to live with the issues of life uh, that I've been living with. I don't have to live like this because there is a Jesus. And I've put my eyes uh, on Jesus. Uh, and oh honey, you're not going to get in my way. You're not about to stop me. You're not about to cause me to lose my relationship with God. I've got focused uh, and the crowd uh, is not fixing to hinder me uh, from getting to where I'm going uh, because if I can get to Jesus uh, then I can be healed uh, of the issue in my body. I can be healed with the issue of my life. Uh, but I want to tell you this morning, she didn't only have to fight uh, the crowd that was standing in front of her, but she had to begin to push things aside in her mind uh, and she began to Say, uh, oh, doubt, uh, you got to get out of here. Wow. Suffering. Oh, you got to go. Uh, I know that I've suffered disappointment. I know people say that I'm incurable. I know that people say that there's no hope. Uh, I know that I feel weak. Uh, I know that after all these years uh, of this disease, uh, I've lost most of my friends. Uh, I look like I'm, I'm death warmed over so to speak. I've lost a bunch of weight and I'm frail and I don't have a lot of strength left, but everything I've got I'm giving it to this one effort uh, and this one cause uh, and that is to so- stop focusing uh, and stop making the focal point of my life, my suffering and my pain and the disappointment and the things that's been done to me but rather than look at all of that I'm going to part that crowd aside and I'm fixing my eyes on a new focal point and His name is Jesus and nothing is going to stop me from getting to where I'm going. I am headed to get to Jesus and I know that when I get there Jesus is going to heal me. So she had a choice to make. And many of us here today are going to stand, are standing at that same rendezvous point, you're standing at that same point in your life, Uh, you have a choice to make. You can continue living life just like you're living. It's the old saying that if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. I love people that say they need a change in their life and do nothing different. Well, guess what you kind of change you're going to get? Zero. It's time to change the focus of our life, it's time to take away our focal point. From the things that have hindered us and the things that have hurt us and the the things that we've tried in the past to heal what it is that's going on inside of your soul, inside of your mind, inside of your heart, the hurt and the pain and the abuse that you've suffered from other people, it's time to stop focusing on that and start focusing on the one that can heal it. To focus on Jesus she began to push through the crowd on the outside and she began to push through the crowd on the inside and as she fought her way through those crowds of people to get to Jesus, she did something that seems kind of crazy. It seems kind of odd. The Bible says she reached for the hem of His garment. There's significance in that. You know, the Bible I I just honestly believe this. The Bible doesn't have anything in there that doesn't have some kind of purpose. Now when you read the who begats, you'll wonder. But it's in there for a reason. But she reached for the hem of his garment. Do you know what that was? It was his prayer shawl. That's what she was reaching for. I actually have a prayer shawl and I meant to bring it this morning to show you what they look like, but most of you may have seen them. Jewish men wear them when they're praying, and they have a frilly little fringe on the end of them, on the edge. She had determined that if I can reach him of his garment, God can heal me of my issue of life. What significance is that? What reason? Just the hymn. She didn't say if I can reach his sandal. She didn't say if I could scoop up some of the dust where he stepped. She didn't even ask for him to spit in the dust and, and make some mud like he did for the blind man. She didn't say that you could lay your hands on me like he did the lepers. She didn't even say that you could do what you did for Jairus' daughter and just speak the word. She didn't say any of that. She just said if I can reach the hem of his garment, God can take care of the issues in my life. Strong's Concordance, to him, of his garment, means the edge, the skirt, the margin. It's reference to the fringe of the garment, the fringe of his prayer shawl. I want to show you something. This, to me, it's incredible. Look at Numbers chapter 15, verse 37 through 39. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes on the borders of their garments throughout their generations that they may put upon the fringes of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe. Why? That ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you seek not after your own heart in your own eyes after which you used to go a-whoring. I want to tell you this morning that when that lady, whoever she is, reached for the hem of his garment, what she was saying and what she was signifying is, God, I'm going back to your commandments. In other words, God, I'm believing in what you said. I'm believing in your voice. Uh, I'm believing in the Word of God again. Uh, I've lost my faith in the past, God. There's been trials, God. There's been disappointment. There's been circumstance. There's been situation. There's been doubt. There's been fear. There's been pain. But God, I am going to remember Your commandments. I'm going to remember the Word of God. I'm going to remember the promises that God You have made. And not only am I going to remember them, but God, I'm going to do them. And there's some scriptures, no doubt, that begin to come to her mind. But there's some as I begin to prepare for this, they started coming to my mind these are the scriptures that came to my mind uh, that I wanted to remember and hold on to them Uh, there's scriptures like the Bible says uh, that we should love the Lord uh, our God uh, with all uh, of our mind uh, our heart, uh, our strength uh, our soul Uh, the Bible also says uh, that he will never leave you uh, and forsake you Uh, the Bible says all things uh, are possible through Christ Jesus uh, who strengthens you Uh, hallelujah the bible says that jesus with him nothing shall be impossible. The Bible says that hear O Israel the Lord our God is one. Uh, The Bible says that he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Uh, The Bible says it's by his stripes uh, that we're healed Uh, and I want to cling to these things. Uh, I want to hold on to these things. Uh, The Bible says uh, that the promise uh, is unto you uh, and to your children and to all that are far off uh, even as many as the Lord our God shall call us. Oh, the psalmist wrote, uh, Surely goodness uh, and mercy shall follow me uh, all the days uh, of my life. Uh, the Bible says praise Him uh, on the instruments uh, of music. Uh, the Bible says sing unto the Lord, uh, all ye people, and shout uh, unto God with a voice of triumph. Uh, the Bible says clap your hands, uh, all ye people. The Bible says lift up holy hands uh, in His sanctuary. Hallelujah. The Bible says uh, repent, be baptized uh, and receive the gift uh, of the Holy Ghost. Uh, the Bible says uh, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, at the last trump, uh, there's going to be a rapture. And these are scriptures uh, that I'm holding on to. Uh, these are scriptures I believe in. Uh, hallelujah. Let's clap our hands to the Lord not only does he say not only does he say that we should remember the words of God but that we should do them the bible says in another place not to be just hearers of the word only but be a doer of the word it's not enough to live a life professing I serve God. It's not enough to live a life saying that I'm a child of God. It's not enough to say, well, I'm a Christian. It's not enough to say, oh, I'm saved. It's not enough to say these things. It's not enough to say, I believe the Word of God, Brother Merrill. That's not enough. We have to be a doer of the Word of God. So when the Bible says, Praise Him, then we should praise Him. When the Bible says to worship, we should worship. When the Bible says to love Him, we should love Him. When the Bible says to live for Him, we should live for Him. When the Bible says, be holy, for I am holy, we should be holy. When the Bible says to be good, we should be good. When the Bible says to love our neighbor, we should love our neighbor. When the Bible says to love our enemy, we should love our enemy. Brother Ricky Allman made a statement a couple years ago or actually last year I believe where he said that the circle, the crowd around Jesus the closer you get to Christ the smaller and less crowded it becomes. I thought that was a real neat statement. But I've learned that it's true. See Jesus, the multitude came to be fed. Jesus performed a miracle. And they were fed. I've had people tell me when Brother Holland was here, I love to see God work in the gifts of the Spirit. But I just don't like to be a part of it. I'm afraid that He's going to call me out. And so oftentimes as the people of God, Folks. I'm preaching my heart today. We wait for God to do something for us in the crowd, in the multitude. But that's not where always Jesus does his miracles. If you want to stay a part of the crowd, you can. And God will feed you every now and then. But if you want the issues of life healed, you have to get out of the crowd. You have to push through the people around you that's saying you can't, the people around you that's not encouraging you. You have to push through your past circumstance. You have to push through what somebody did to you, mama and daddy and ex-wife, ex-husband, whoever it is. You have to push through that. And you have to focus on Jesus, and you have to leave the crowd. Notice she pushed through it. She went through the crowd. And then, when you get closer to Jesus, you have his disciples. You get a step closer, you have three, the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And then, when you get right to the heart of Jesus, the Bible says that there was one that laid on his bosom, talking about John. He's even referred to as the one that Jesus loved. My purpose and goal this morning I don't know if you're supposed to do this in a sermon, but I'll say it anyway. Is to have you focus on Jesus more than you focus on everything around you and all of the problems and everything that's happened and everything that's gone on. If you'll focus on Jesus, and not only for you individually, but I want grace that our focal point. Be, be Jesus himself, that that's who we focus on. That's the hub around which we revolve. Everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we are is based on what Jesus is doing and based on what Jesus wants us to do. It is the, it's our focal point. In Numbers 15, the Bible says, don't seek after your own heart. Sometimes what feels right ain't right. Seek after the word of God. Seek after the face of God. And then the Bible also says don't seek after your eyes. Our eyes can be deceiving. They can lead us wrong ways. But I want you to notice something. She, this lady made a, a, a comment in her mind in Mark. It says that if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. But notice what happened when she got there when she finally made Jesus the focus of her life, when she finally quit worrying about her interpretation of the Scripture and just took the Bible at face value and said, if God asked me to do it, if God asked me not to do it, if God wants me to love my enemies, then bless God, I'm going to do the best I can. It doesn't mean she got perfect, but she was trying. The Bible says that when she touched him, virtue flowed out of him. She wasn't made whole. She got virtue. Virtue means strength, power, ability. So when she focused on Jesus and when she reached for the Word of God, God gave her the ability. God gave her the power. God gave her the strength to overcome the very issues in her life that got her there. God gave her the ability to do it. She didn't get it uh, out of her own self. She didn't get it from another doctor. When she reached out and got a hold of Jesus uh, and made Jesus the center of her life, God gave her the ability and the strength to overcome the issues in her life. She overcame the past. She overcame the, the situation. She overcame the hurt and the bitterness and the pain. And because she was still willing, even after all the disappointment, her faith made her whole. What does it mean to be made whole? That means everything that had been taken from her had been restored. The years that this issue had drained her strength, that strength was given back. Folks, there's people here today and I know it. You have gone through things in your life, whether it has been life itself or at the hands of other people. And for the last number of years, weeks, months, however long it's been, the focus, everything that you do is dictated by the life that you have by the issues in your life. But what I want to do this morning is to encourage you to change your focal point. Change what you're looking at. I know you have a relationship with God. So did she. So did everybody in that multitude that was fed that day at some level had a relationship with God. In fact, everybody that was in that crowd that day, that she, this lady, stood and looked at Jesus. Everybody was there looking at Jesus. So it's not uncommon for people that have a relationship with God at some level to have an issue, and and it seems like you want and you wonder why God doesn't heal it. There's a place There's there's a level of relationship. There's a level of relationship that God is calling us. Everybody here can do better. There's a level of relationship that God is calling you as an individual to, but He's also calling grace to a place not in the crowd, not a place where it's comfortable. She, She was timid and shy, not a place where it's comfortable. Not a place where it's ordinary. Not a place where it's happy. Not a place where it's calm and peaceful. But sometimes God needs you to begin to push a little bit. He needs you to begin to have a little faith again and to start pushing through these things and determine that God, you're going to be my focal point. And then when you get to that level, God can begin to heal the issues of life. If you'll stand with me this morning, Jesus is here and I know that this lady had religious custom that she had to deal with you know we have the same things Brother Morton Buster ain't here Brother Merrill so God can't really do anything for me but if Brother Holland was here he could sure get the miracle that I need but the God Buster the God of Jerry Holland is here and God doesn't change they sang a while ago he still reigns and so the same God that would heal you in our religious tradition of waiting when when the big names get here is the same God that's here today saying I can heal you yet today If somebody will turn their attention to Jesus. If I could sing, and I can't, and I won't even attempt it, most of you would walk out. But that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Oh, the songwriter knew what they were talking about when life gets too much to bear, when sickness comes to your body, when family troubles, when kids go astray, when heartache comes. You have a choice, folks. You You can stand in the crowd and deal with it the best you can, or you can focus on Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus is here today. Jesus is here today. And if you're here today, there's something that you need from God. I want you to focus on Him. Let's pray for just a moment. Everybody turn your mind towards God. Turn your mind towards God. Jesus, in your precious name, God only you know every circumstance and situation but there are people here today God that their focus has been pulled away from you their focus God hasn't been where it should be God is because of the pain God is because of the disappointment it's because of the suffering it's because of the hurt it's because of the circumstance it's because of the problem But I pray today, God, that our minds and that our eyes could focus on You again and realize that You're the God of all power. You're the God of all ability. You're the God of all strength. God, only You have the ability to heal the issues of life. Only You have that strength. Only You have that ability, God. And nothing else that we look for is ever going to solve the problem but God, only You. I pray today that we'll focus on you right now in these last moments of the service. Folks, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If you need something from God, these fronts open. The front is open. Come today. Talk to Jesus about it. Push through the fear. Push through the doubt. Maybe you think it won't happen today, but I'm telling you, God can do it don't worry about the doubt don't worry about that just come up front and tell God and touch God and feel God Uh, the Bible says handle Him and see oh God I pray in the name of Jesus hallelujah if you need something from God this morning come on come on everybody come on if you need something from God it doesn't mean that you're not serving God it doesn't mean that you're not living for God but it means that there's another level of relationship that you want. Uh, God, I can't deal with this hurt anymore. God, I can't deal with the pain and the disappointment. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need your virtue. I need you to turn around, God. And I need you to make me whole in Jesus' name. I'll invite everybody else to come around the front. Everybody come. We're not going to ask you to do anything that you don't want to do. All of our guests, feel welcome if you desire to come up front and speak to the Lord for a few minutes.